Donald Trump wants to treat Supreme Court justices like he does ex-wives. If they're not doing what he says, replace them. We'll get into that. Gold had a great week, closing at 1742 an ounce after seemingly just trading sideways for weeks on end. We'll get into that. Colorado has ended qualified immunity for police officers. That is important. We'll get into that. A lot going on. I am Gerardo Del Real along with my co-host, Fight the Fed, Nick Hodge. This is episode 75 of Bizarro World. I like your new Twitter handle, Nick. How are you? I'm technically challenged. You could have easily said the technically challenged, (laughs) Nick Hodge. I've been having technological issues with this podcast for the past 10 minutes, but I'm good. I'm happy to be here. Um, I was uh, demilitarized and defund police, and now we're getting some momentum on that. So I feel like um, why not tackle, uh, you know, the more systemic cause of it and move on to fighting the Fed. I'm doing good. How are you? I am well also. Thank you for asking. Happy Father's Day. Everybody will listen to this on Monday. Um, It's Juneteenth. Happy Juneteenth to everybody. Happy Father's Day to you, Nick, and happy Father's Day to everyone out there. We hope you had a great weekend. Um, Family as well, Nick? Family is good. Mom and dad are are on the way out this weekend for the first time in almost a year. It'll be good to see them. Uh, How about you? Um, everybody's well, everybody's healthy. Let's get right into it. Gold had a pretty solid week, closed at 1742. Silver closed at 1761. I'm still not convinced that the silver rally is sustainable, and I won't be, frankly, until it breaches that 2050 level. But, you know, gold is kind of, as I said in the intro, it's traded sideways, just kind of sat there within like a $10 range for the most part. And we finally got a bit of a breakout today. It was up nearly 20 bucks. Um, let's talk about gold. How are you feeling about it, Nick? I'm feeling nearly identically to the way I felt last week about it. I wrote as much in the weekly letter. I think that um, exactly what we've been saying, it's holding its ground. It's doing what it's supposed to. It's not reflecting the volatility that um, the equities are are reflecting. And, um, you know, it is building a base for the it has been building a base for the next like higher. Now, we'll see. Um, there's still some technical levels we got to punch through. You know, I would like to see a commitment above 1790 to 1800. But, um, you know, with not thinking about thinking about rates and, you know, Jerome Powell back in the uh, media multiple days this week and testifying uh, to the Congress and uh, Senate, um, you, you know, gold is, is doing what it's supposed to do. And um, I'm very confident in it, as are um, lots of people, because... Mm. Deals are flowing, you know, ETF flows are up, um, you know, I could have gotten any private placement I wanted to 12 months ago, and now they're filling up very quickly. Uh, we don't have room for everybody, this and that. And so um, I think um, it's, a, it's starting to attract bandwagon jumpers, right? And, you know, I think you said the other week that the, uh, the first inning is over. It's not the beginning of the ball game anymore. And I don't think we're in late innings by any uh, stretch of the imagination. That's what I'm saying. What I'm saying is people are starting to realize that it's real, I think. Agreed. I had a subscriber write in, Billy, who, and I love Billy because Billy keeps me honest and he wrote in. And and again, you know, I love this guy. He's been a subscriber since 2016. Um, he bought right before that head fake, right, in gold. And so obviously his portfolio um, that he bought from back then is down a little bit because if you have an average down, then it's a little bit tough. But he wrote in and he said, you said it was the top of the first inning four years ago. So I wrote back and said, Billy, it was a long inning, <laughs> but, we, but we have a ball game 
game now and we're out of the first inning and I think it's going to be a fun game here moving forward. So with that being said, you wrote something in your letter, Nick, that I thought was important. You recently took, it seems like you do this every week, by the way, you took, I think it was like 250% profits on a position. Um, and, and again, you've been, you've been knocking out triple digit winners, um, left and right in multiple sectors. Um, but I say all that to say that you wrote in that, in that cell call, um, that you were rotating, you know, from, from winners to, to laggards, um, and, and that you were, you were finally starting to open up. It seemed like to the riskier juniors that maybe are exploration companies and haven't quite moved yet as the bells of the ball right now, the producers and developers seem to be getting, um, the bulk of the capital, right? Do you, do you, do you see this as a time to start rotating into um, the higher risk exploration stocks? Well, partly at least for, for sure. I mean, you just said it, the, um, the big names have run when you're sitting up a hundred or 150% on Franco and a Cisco and Wheaton or whatever it is. Um, then yeah, big trees like that don't continue to grow, right? You got to put some um, whatever capital into new seeds and saplings. And so, um, there's a lot of saplings and, and younger trees out there and you can break this out however you want, right? You talk about the royalty companies and the producers and then the mid-tier producers and juniors, et cetera. And that's what you mean by we're only through the first inning. And that's what I mean by, um, people are starting to recognize it, um, uh, but it's not nearly over. I mean, this is just, uh, what happens, or at least so I'm told Gerardo, I've never really been through this. I'm making it up as I go, but, um, <laughs> you're doing a pretty damn good job, Mr. Hodge, you know? Um, yeah. So when you're up, you know, 250% on a producer that you've held for three years, maybe it's time to, to, to roll over some of that capital, take some profits and, and go into other names that haven't moved, um, as much exactly like you said. And to be clear, um, there's a lot of names that haven't moved that much. I was looking at a, what a note I think Marin sent out today um, that had a chart in it talking about how even the producers aren't being valued at the same multiples as like the small cap stocks like the Russell and stuff yet. And so uh, that's just the producers. We're not even talking about, um, you know, developers and and heaven forbid any explorers or prospect generators that haven't hit a major uh, mineralized body. yet. those certainly haven't. Uh, begun to move. And like you, I have subscribers saying, um, you know, these these stocks aren't starting to move. And they're talking about ones, like I say, Midas's developers, Almaden's, for example, but um, the big ones certainly have. And so um, that's why you have to to be involved in, in, in different spheres or different, um, you know, parts of the value chain of the of the gold stock universe. And um Gosh, well, I'm airing out all my feelings during our weekly therapy session. That's one thing that gets uh, tough for a, a newsletter writer that that purports to specialize in something, right? If um, early advantage is just speculations, for example, those guys aren't if they're not invested in the Tarangas and the and the Franco Nevadas, they haven't seen those get those gains, and so they get frustrated. And I try to tell them, you know, this letter is not about that portion of the of the gold value chain, but um, you still need to own those names, right? And so. Um, I think it's playing out just like uh, the textbook examples that I've read. And so, um, yeah, navigating through it and um, to answer your question more directly. Yeah. Uh, redeploy capital into new names. We, I mentioned seeds and saplings. Not only are there um, deals that haven't run yet that are existing, um, but seemingly three times a day, I refresh my Gmail and there's a new slide deck for uh, 
uh, a shell deal or a, an exploration opportunity where they're seeking properties. And this is just management teams coming back out. So these are deals that um, are only now being put together for the cycle. And so um, obviously you got to be careful because with those quality teams comes the um, lifestyle things, which I've seen a lot of recently as well. And that's um, <laughs> par for the course in the junior space, right? And that's why you do what you do. And that's why I do what I do. Well, and frankly, that's why we we speculate in names where we're familiar, right? Where we can somewhat access, you know, management and and understand the business model very clearly. And it makes it easy um, to stay with companies like Midas Gold because we understand what's there. You and I have been there multiple times. We know eventually that's a two, three, four dollar stock. So as it sits here at 55 cents or whatever it closed at today, I don't have any problem having that in the portfolio and sitting on it because I know that at the end of the permitting road, we're going to see a favorable outcome and it will be re-rated and it'll happen probably all you know at the same time sometime in 2021, irregardless of the price of gold. Obviously, the $1,700 level that we're in right now is highly favorable to an asset like the Stibnite Gold Project with... 6.6 million ounces of gold, lower quartile production costs. Um, but there's other names out there. And so that was going to be my question to you, Nick. Um, when you take 250% profits on a stock, what, what what what's your criteria for pivoting into something new? Huh. That's uh, uh, a question I wasn't prepared for. Well, for one is... It's because um, you don't prepare. <laughs> is, yeah. For one is I'm not, is I'm not uh, anxious. I don't um, sell something like looking to go into something else, right? I sell something first to be done with that position, right? It's specific to the position that I'm uh, taking profits on. And in this case, I'm in Taranga, something we had been in, um, for, for three years and, and was time to close the book on, had run up, um, had brought a second asset online, had achieved multiple catalysts that I was looking for. And so it was just time to close the book. And so, um, I got to parse out the question, I guess, because, I have to go back to like the different parts of the sector with respect to that newsletter directly underground profits. I want to look for something um, that's a bit larger, right? We don't necessarily do exploration or anything. I try to keep it at least above a hundred million, if not 300 million market cap um, for the most part. So I'm not looking to roll that over immediately um, into oranges from apples. I'm looking for um, another apple. And so um, what am I looking for? Well, um, uh, gosh, I mean, you know, all the things that you, you typically look for, right? I'm looking at assets and I'm looking at management. Uh, but when you get to these bigger names, I'm going to just talk about the bigger names for a second. Um, I want to look at uh, how they perform relative to their peers. I want to look at uh, what indexes they're in. Are they in um, the gold bugs index? Are they in the, the HUI, for example? Uh, because that sort of um, helps you uh, figure out like where capital is going to come, right? Because, you know, a lot of the capital primarily now, and we know this, comes into uh, funds, right? People want to play the gold sector through GDX and through GDXJ. And so I'm looking for something that is going to benefit uh, from fund buying. Uh, I'm also looking at, at jurisdiction, right? I don't need to go into um, a mid-tier um, or a major that's operating in in risky jurisdictions. And you know, I like West Africa. I view that a little bit uh, uh, differently than some other places in the world. But I like, you know, uh, in North America and Canada and Mexico uh, and other places in South America. And so 
Uh, it's a long-winded answer because I didn't have bullet points written down because I didn't know you were going to ask me. But uh, the last thing I would say, I think, is is patience, right? Um, like I said, to start the answer, I'm not looking to go into something right away and you don't have to. So um, patience is, is one thing as well, especially with uh, the market as as volatile as it's been lately. Um, and with gold up, you know, whatever it was up today and, and the equities following it with it, I, I likely won't you know, make another gold recommendation until we see uh, some sort of uh, pullback, right? Or until uh, gold equities have a bad day because that way you buy on red, right? A large, a big disproportionate influencer is going to be monetary policy. Um, Is there any disagreement here about what the monetary policy looks like for at least the next two years? I mean, (laughs) Sugar Daddy Jerome was pretty damn clear, right? We're not even thinking about thinking about raising rates. Is there any question that any weakness in the market or an extension of the first wave or the the the, the commencement of a second wave, depending on how you view COVID-19 and the spikes that we're seeing, not just in cases because we expected that with increased testing, but hospitalizations and, and infection rates. And that's an important distinction to make. But do we have any, any is there any question about what the Fed is is, is going to be doing for the next couple of years? Well, to the to the to the tightening side, no. Um, to the loosening side, the question for me uh, would be, you know, do they go negative? I mean, I think it's if anything, you get a a, a loosening uh, a change, right? No, there's not going to be any tightening at all. Um, don't forget, it's in. Uh, election year and 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 Jay Powell is a is a Trump appointee and with Trump falling behind in the polls he's gonna have to really rely on the stock market and and I mean he's gonna try to make the stock market the economy but that's not really how it works as as we know but he's gonna really have to try to juice the stock market and, and make it seem so um, and so yeah no they're not gonna raise rates anytime soon but could they go negative or could they I and mean, what are the other programs are going to be would be my other thing on that you know just this week it was individual corporate uh bonds when are they going to buy individual equities i would i would ask would be a question mm, interesting interesting any names in the junior space that haven't taken off outside of like a midas gold for example that's got a huge anchor asset and you know all, all best managed one of the best management teams out there and and, and and great economics attached to its project anything out there that that screams bargain to you right now or an opportunity whether it's you know relatively early stage exploration or something more developed like a midas um, well, last week we talked about Millrock, and so it's only been seven days. It's not like I've forgotten about that company. I have to mention them again when you ask me. They're currently drilling um, in Alaska, adjacent to the, to, to the Pogo mine there at what's now called the 64 North Project. And so I've got to think we're going to be getting results um, from full holes uh, in the coming weeks. And <laughs> I'm very interested to see what um, you know, those, those, that Aurora target, uh, turns up there, given, um, everything we know about the, the surrounding geology and the, uh, maglos and all the, the early exploration work, um, that's been done. That is uh, definitely one I would take a look at. One that popped back in the letter yesterday that I hadn't written about for a while is Azucar Minerals. Mm. Um, and the reason that that popped into mind was uh, because of copper, which you and I have been talking about and we've said in the past weeks has started to perk up a bit. Um, and, you know, what the name of the Azucar project is, El Cobre, right? And so um, I, I felt it worthwhile to mention that, especially given to the levels that it's drifted down to relative to where uh, Newcrest felt comfortable purchasing 20% of the company. And so um, 
Yeah, those are two good names. I'm not, I won't sit here and rattle off a bunch, but for sure, two right there. I like it. I'll offer one, and we've talked about it in the past. Hannon Metals just uh, had a financing come free trading, one that I believe both you and I participated in. And so, you know, it's pulled back uh, from the 41 cent level where I took profits in the trader newsletter that I write uh, back down to 30 cents last time I checked. And so, you know, the weakness was anticipated. Some pe- the, the financing, I think, was done at, what, 15 cents. And, you know, people are flipping the the, the shares and keeping the warrant. But that's a company that I believe um, goes higher sooner rather than later. And I think I think the recent pullback is an excellent opportunity um, to either add Hannon to your portfolio or average down a little bit if you're in at higher prices. Um, so, yeah, let's talk. Um, I, we got to talk Supreme Courts, right? Uh, the Supreme Court, because some of the justices actually came out and the Trumpster was not happy about it, right? He had a couple go against him this week. Um, he didn't like the decision on DACA, right? The 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 the, the Dreamers decision that will allow many um, hundreds of thousands of, of, of kids that were brought to this country at a very, very young age um, that were brought here illegally to remain in the country. And, and, and closer to a million, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's something along the lines of 700,000. And the court ruled that, um, well, let, let me backtrack. Let me provide some context. Um, uh, Supreme Court Justice Roberts, who's viewed as a very, very right leaning justice, um, penned the decision that was kind of like the deciding vote. And basically, what he said was, the Trump administration rushed into this decision to overrule the, the Obama administration order. And so you're going to have to be more diligent and clean it up and actually present an argument. And obviously Trump had a fit about that. Um, any comments there? There was also a decision this week, I believe. You mean you can't just do it with a tweet? Well, well, and, 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 and that you got to my point. That was my next follow-up point, right? My, my, my next point was his tweet, the follow-up tweet from him was, we need to replace these guys. These are the same people he brought in, mind you, right? In, in a lot of instances. And he's already, I mean, again. So he's, he's offing Supreme Court justices now? He's offing Supreme Court justices. He also tweeted um, threatening protesters. And again, that, 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 that is a bit more serious to me because he didn't say, he didn't just say agitators and looters and rioters. Um, will be arrested and, and you know, I'm the, I'm the law and order president, the usual shit that he says. He actually made it a point to say protesters. So this is where we are in America in 2020. The president of the United States is saying, regardless of how you feel about the country, your First Amendment right to protest will be met with force. Um, I, I, I don't know about you, but that's some scary shit, right? Um. Well, yeah, first of all, that's obviously some authoritarian fascist stuff, um, anti-constitutional, I would add. Um, where do I want to start? I wanted to start with the, with the DACA thing, right? Um, and intense uh, simplicities, which I've said uh, were coming, right? Out of all this complexity, like intense mm. uh, in things that were intensely simple were going to emerge. And right, this is like, especially the... Um, uh, the other one, the DACA was more nuanced legal stuff. And I'll talk about that in a second. But of course, you can't uh, fire someone because uh, you don't like their gender, right? Or, or they, they want to choose their gender, whatever it is. I mean, that's like a no brainer, as straightforward as it gets. Can't believe it's <laughs> got to get to the Supreme Court. But here it is. But it's intensely simple, right? I mean, come on. And so um, it's good to see. I'm just going to step back for one second and then I'll get back to 
uh, DACA. It's good to see these things materializing. You know, you and I talk, um, and we'll not talk, you and I raise our voices a lot and we've been calling for change and we have been doing this for um, well over a year now and writing about the things that we've been talking about for even longer than that. And so um, they're now starting to uh, actually manifest, much like a, a gold bull market is starting to to manifest. And so um, it feels good to see it, right? It's like, man, I was right. And so, uh, but the contrarian me is like, man, I need to look for the next thing now, right? Like on to the next thing. <laughs> anyway, that's, that's a different story. But uh, it's it's good to see these things finally coming. Like, this fourth turning is playing out. Colorado did sign the, the, the bill ending qualified immunity. Other precincts around the country are taking the steps. Uh, the protests are sticking. Uh, Congress and the Senate are working on their own versions of the bill. I mean, these intense simplicities um, are emerging and, and it's really good to see. Um, I think that, um, you know, uh, John Roberts and, and people like him are, 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 absorbing this and are seeing it and they want to be on the right side of history. Right. Um, and so it's wonderful to see it playing out in real time, even as far as like Trump losing it. Right. Not that I've ever been, you know, I try to stay right in the middle. I'm not anti-Trump. I'm not never Trump and I'm not MAGA. Like I'm not, I, I don't want to be any of those. Things. Yeah. We like facts, but, right. We're big exactly. on facts and truth. But it's so interesting watching everybody else wake up to the facts and like the poll numbers shift and this and that and what's ever happening. It's like, uh huh, uh huh. You also starting to get it. That's good. Um, and so I got to mention George Bush because, um, you, know, <laughs> I mean, you know, in retrospect, and I was no, I was a Bush hater to be honest, but um, I think history is going to reflect better on his presidency, especially relative to the Trump presidency than anyone could have expected um, while they were living through it. I hope that makes sense. He played that um, well. He went away for a decade, right? And was like, all right, I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> and he's the one that appointed John Roberts, which is why I had to say it. Yep. Um, and then, yeah, uh, sorry for just verbal diarrhea, but the, the DACA decision, um, while I was glad to see it, uh, the one thing I didn't like was that it was, as you could have sort of hinted at, it's on a technicality, right? Mm -hmm. So John Roberts didn't say that um, Trump couldn't get rid of it. He said he didn't go about it in the right way. And so he sort of left the door open there. But, um, you know. And let's be absolutely clear, everybody out there. Um, the fact that we don't have a comprehensive immigration policy um, is a failure on both administrations, on both sides, um, you know, Democrats and Republicans. I remember when Obama was courting the Hispanic vote, right? He said, in my first year, I will make sure we pass comprehensive immigration so that people don't have to risk their lives to try to achieve the American dream and upward mobility, which everybody wants. We will have an immigration policy in place that doesn't force people to wait seven to 10 years with all sorts of just ridiculous hoops that you have to go through if you're in a situation um that literally can cost you your life and so that didn't happen and and you know now we have trump and we sure in the hell don't have a comprehensive immigration policy so again i'm all for legal immigration i am all for enforcing laws but you can't or i can't i won't fault people that are looking for a better life um whose whose lives are literally in danger who take the risk to come to this country illegally because the country refuses to pass a comprehensive and practical immigration bill. It hasn't happened since Ronald Reagan when my parents got their citizenship 
and 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 you know I could finally start going to hospitals and doctors instead of just having the lady on the 13th floor snap my leg back into place after I broke it because we were afraid of getting deported if they took me to the hospital. That's a true story. Um, so again, it's both sides. We're not here to just bash the right or bash the left. Um, there's a lot of a lot of failures on both sides and, and things that are being addressed. And now I'm going to have a little verbal uh, diarrhea of the mouth. You know, you mentioned Colorado and you mentioned the end of qualified immunity for police. This was thought untouchable two months ago. The peaceful protesters did that. Not the rioters, not the looters. The peaceful protesters, the hundreds of thousands and millions of people that are out there protesting every day, and it's still happening. Don't think it's stopped just because the media won't show it to you because the cops decided to de-escalate. And it turns out all peaceful protesters wanted to do was protest peacefully. Um, but th these are things that we thought we would never see. There, it, It's happening with a signature now, right? And, and that Colorado bill also heavily restricted the use of tear gas and projectiles on citizens. Um, and, and, you know, bottom line is cops will now face criminal charges. They are subject to those charges if they don't intervene in excessive force cases. So a lot there. Um, I'll leave that there for the time being. Thoughts there, Nick? Oh, plenty. So, um, yeah, I'm going to get philosophical. It's almost as though, uh, like, the DACA thing is a symptom of something bigger in that we can't get immigration reform done. And it's almost as though... Uh, the police brutality thing is a symptom of something bigger, like um, fatal structural uh, flaws in the criminal justice and legal uh, system and otherwise. And so um, this is what I mean by sort of institutions being rebuilt and, uh, you know, uh, moving up the value chain, let's call it right, because um yeah, you got to reform police. And, and this is what I also sort of meant by, you know, you got to look to what's next, right? Like, don't lose the momentum. So you got the qualified immunity, right? Um, and that's great. But now you got to like, take it to the next thing. Like, well, why does the policing uh, culture or the police legal framework in America make it so that, um, you know, they're the ones responding with guns to a gentleman who's asleep in a parking lot in Wendy's? Like, why are armed officers responding to that? Because in many cases, um, that's how situations escalate, and in fact, just did with the uh, the gentleman in 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 Atlanta, right, who ended up losing his life for something that never should have had probably police involvement to begin with. And so now you're seeing all sorts of ideas about rethinking about how we police and what calls police get dispatched to, and why can't nine one one responders, um, uh, you know, dispatch uh, someone in the in the social work field or the psychological field. Um, and then, you know, I'm just going to keep going because people say, oh, well, you can't do that. How are we going to pay for that? What, do you, what the fuck you mean? How are we going to pay for that? I just saw six trillion dollars created out of thin air. We got the means to pay for what we want to pay for if we want to pay for it. Right. Um, and so um, I think lots of priorities now are going to be uh, realigned that this was just sort of uh, uh, the first wave. Right. And, and again, that's what a fourth turning is. And similar with um, immigration, right? You have to have, as you said, I'm not going to recite that, but comprehensive immigration reform uh, to get to the the issue that really, you know, is is in the the headlines this week. DACA, it's much bigger than that, right? And so um, uh, that's the end of my optimism. Now I'm going to get pessimistic because mm. uh, you got to look at the other side of the ticket, right? What is Joe Biden going to do all this? I mean, like he he didn't do it in the 80s or the 90s or the 2000s or the 2010s. Like, what the fuck he's going to do it now? And so, 
Um, anyway, that's where I start to sort of lose a little bit of the uh, momentum, if you will. But um, I, I've said it a bunch of times post 2024, I got a, a lot of hope. I just, um, eh, I don't know. I'm disappointed at people putting so much faith into into Biden right now because, you know, fool me once. Because the track record doesn't support that faith, right? And, no, and, no and doubt. I, yeah, and I think again, it's 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 kind of like the comparison of George George Bush Jr. with Donald Trump, right? It's, it's one looks way different when you look at the other one, and and it's sad that in 2020 in America, at a time where the youth is out there doing what they're doing and and forcing change, that the options we have are two middle aged, no, not middle aged, mid seventies. Um, white men that each have sexual harassment and rape allegations against them, different context for each candidate. Right. Um, but these are the choices that we have. Um, let's talk leadership. You know, Donald Trump is holding a rally in Tulsa, Oklahoma, where cases are up over a hundred percent last week and the rally is happening anyway. Again, just like here in Texas, you have, the freedom to go, you should, you know, you should have the opportunity to attend if that's what you want to do. I just don't know that from a leadership perspective, anyone at the top should be doing, you know, stadium crowds full of people um, at a time where we clearly have cases spiking across the country. And Tulsa happens to be one of the hot spots. Again, not a judgment on whether you can or should be able to go just a judgment on the leadership that enables the base and encourages the base to take that risk when that risk isn't taken proportionately by the administration, right? It's kind of like when he's tweeting from the bunker and the only people getting their ass beat and getting shot up and getting, you know, hurt are a couple of officers and a bunch of protesters and the media. It's cowardly to me. Um, I think Oklahoma has come up before on this podcast long before, um, this campaign rally. And I think I sang a song about, um, (laughs) coronavirus sweeping across the plains. Um, just wanted to remind you all of that. Uh, of course he's politicizing this, right? Um, just like the masks have been politicized where, um, and I don't even understand this. (laughs) Science. And so, yeah, no, I mean, um, it's like AMC saying this week that they didn't want to get political, so they weren't going to require people to uh, wear masks. And then immediately reversing course and saying, if you come to the movie theater, you're going to have to wear a mask. Just like um, uh, the airlines are are enforcing everyone having to wear a mask and revoking your flying privileges if you're not. I mean, uh, yeah, the ma- the politicization is stupid and um, they're taking it even further. You know, it's sort of like, you know... Um, coming out and rallying is 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 uh uh american right i mean you know we published the um hard asset digest right and the the interviewer there was this week was dr mark scalson and he's he's the guy that puts together freedom fest right where um uh you know senators like Rand paul and mr lee from utah uh go and speak and, and they're having the rally in, in person in uh, Las Vegas, you know, I, I don't really have an, an opinion either way. I mean, they're exercising their freedom, as as, as Dr. Skousen said, but um, clearly they're coming at it from, uh, um, well, just look at the senators and, 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 and Dr. Mark Skousen's background from a, from a conservative bent. And so I don't really understand it in that respect, right? 
Let's talk law and order, right? Donald Trump likes to randomly tweet that like whenever he's bored. He's law and order in all caps. Um, and let's go back to Mr. Richard Brooks, who was killed by the Atlanta police officer. That officer has now been charged with murder. Um, it, it's it's speculated and it's been reported, though I can't say it's true because I haven't read the reports, that um, his partner is, 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 is one of the people that is a cooperating witness against him. Um, he's got charges of excessive... Um, uh, force in the past. And again, the response by Atlanta officers was half the department decided to walk out one night. And, and so again, you're either for law and order and you can disagree privately with him being charged for murder. You can agree privately with him being charged for murder, but as an officer, you took an oath and you have a job to do. And if you are unwilling to do the job, Get the fuck on. We don't want you in our streets with guns if you are not willing to honor the oath that you took. The oath that the taxpayers That's it. pay you for. Get no, we're in charge. The fuck on. We are in charge. We are in charge. And and it's, you know, it's it's we're finally getting there when it comes to this, but man, when it comes to corporations, we're not anywhere close yet. You know, I just I I read this week, yesterday, California judge just ordered PG&E in California um, to pay a three and a half million dollar fine. Um, that was justice for the 84 people that were killed in the fire um, that PG&E admits um, happened because of human error and their equipment. The fact that nobody is going to prison, the fact that the fine was three and a half million. That's it for 84 people that gets you off for 84 counts of involuntary manslaughter and one count of illegally causing the fire that killed everyone. I don't know. You know, can anyone else in this country have 84 counts of invol involuntary manslaughter and pay three and a half million and get off without any jail time? You know, qualified immunity is one example with police departments and officers of what needs to happen with corporations. We can't continue to live within a system that allows you to just incorporate and do whatever the fuck you want under the guise and protection that being incorporated allows you. That has to change. That has to change. Mills wrote a great book back in, uh, I think it was 54, and the CIA immediately you know, deemed it a threat to national security about how corporations and the military and police you know, would be would be would be a, a an, an overly disproportionate influence on government. And man, I tell you, that's played out beautifully. Oh well, well, no doubt. And um, you know, uh, I was writing about it in, in early advantage this week. How the you know the problem, and I said it earlier in this podcast. The I mean, just think about the reason George Floyd lost his life. It was like a counterfeit twenty dollar bill. Like, and I posed the question: How is that different than the Fed just conjuring up dollars out of thin air? Right? It's just that one has been um, normalized and rationalized behind suits and ties and MBAs, and the other one has been, as you say, um, through the the tools of law enforcement and uh, government been demonized and they use that as a lever to say, don't be that, be this. Um, don't be George Floyd, be PG&E, right? Um, and, and everything will be fine, except it's not fine for over half the country and everybody's figuring it out. And that's what this is all about. 
Agreed. Let's talk about Brianna Taylor, the 26-year-old EMT in Louisville, Kentucky, that was killed when an officer um, who has a long history of being investigated um, because several women have come forward claiming that he sexually assaulted them. His name is Brett Hankison. He, Isn't it amazing how all these officers are involved in other in other in other things? And it's usually like domestic violence and sexual harassment and sexual assault. Um, and again, why, how these people are defended by anybody is beyond me. How how a fellow officer who has a wife or a mother or a daughter or a niece or a fucking heart allows this shit to continue to happen without speaking up is just beyond me. Um, here we are months later, one officer, the one that fired all those shots. And, you know, not only did he, did he, did he kill Brianna Taylor um, after not knocking, not identifying himself, not knowing where he was shooting into, but three of those bullets went into a neighbor's apartment um, nearby or a neighbor's house nearby. Um, that's how reckless it was. All we have two months after is him being fired. We're not even talking criminal charges yet. And and I gotta I, I will speculate here. I'll put my tinfoil hat on now. But a weekend ago, and and I forgot to a week ago I should say, and I forgot to mention this last week. Um, there was a the police report finally became public, and half of it was blank. The police report from the night that Brianna Taylor was murdered, in her home while sleeping at midnight, doing nothing wrong, um, when the cops came and were trying to enforce a no knock warrant. They listed Brianna Taylor's injuries as none. They didn't even have the decency to fill out half of the police report. The half they did fill out, they they pub they 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 released it to the public, and it was mostly redacted. It was an absolute joke, and I gotta think the embarrassment of that document coming out um, probably motivated the firing of this officer. Because hey, if you got a bunch of allegations claiming that you sexually assaulted women, you're an easy sacrifice for a police department, right? But man, we're not even talking charges yet. We're talking about being fired. And again, like qualified immunity ending in Colorado, like corporations having to be held to higher account, we have to start, you mentioned systemic changes earlier, Nick. We have to start holding these police unions who, by the way, when there's a settlement, if an officer does something and it leads to millions of dollars being paid out, it's paid out from us, from taxpayer money. It doesn't come from the union budget. How you like that, America? Yeah, that's bullshit. Yeah, it's bullshit. And these are these are the institutions that have been put in place to defend the Brett Hankisons of our police department oh, and, and the system it, it it encourages. And it's not like we don't know who they are, right? Because, um, like you say, he was involved in another incident. The police officer um, in Atlanta with Richard Brooks was involved in a previous. Incident, And so these records also need to be made public. Like you say, um, we're in charge. We pay the salaries. Uh, we pay the the <laughs> the settlements, like you just said, for 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 when there's settlements for police wrongdoing. There needs to be a, a transparent database of, uh, you know, police infractions. And um, that just needs to sort of be the end of it. I mean, they're public servants and that needs to be public information. And um, yeah, the unions. Uh, we talked about it last week, but I know you and I both read something uh, this week from an ex-FBI agent who was hmm. uh, working with a, a task force. Um, I believe it was in Georgia. And the task force was for like uh, 
child, child sexual predators or something. Yep. And he was riding back from a, a, a sting related to that with a detective that was a, a police officer, not an mm-hmm. FBI agent. And someone rolled through a stop sign. And now I'm just basically regurgitating this former FBI agent's whole thread. But the detective said he had to pull him over. Um, and the FBI agent was like, what do you mean, man? You're a detective. Like, did somebody just rolled through a stop sign? What do you got to pull him over for? Um, and it was, um, you know, uh, from the top, it had come down that in order to pay for overtime, everybody on the police force had to carry a ticket book and write tickets for, um, you know, marginal uh, traffic infringements like that. And the FBI agent was saying he thought even at the time, how stupid is this that you would, you know, uh, risk, you know, whatever, having to deal with guns in the car, drugs in the car, whatever it is, the situation escalating for someone rolling through um, a stop sign just to pay for overtime. And when you start to look at it through that lens of this broken windows policing, just like in Ferguson, no doubt. I mean, Mm -hmm. we had this conversation six years ago, for crying out loud, um, to pay for uh, police and local budgets. And then these these incidents lead to uh, perpetual harassment of, of, of the lower... Um, socioeconomic uh, people in this lower socioeconomic stratospheres, right? Um, habitually and perpetually um, until, you know, they get killed with a knee in their neck in, 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 in multiple cases. You don't even have to name one name. That's happened multiple times, right? Yeah. Um, and so uh, there it is, right? Um, yeah, the unions um, need to have some of their power taken away. And I didn't even know about the, well, I knew the taxpayers paid, but what a brilliant idea. Why don't the police unions have to pay for, um, uh, you know, the accountability of these police officers, the settlements, when they're the ones out there, you know, protecting them and demanding the uh, qualified immunity, et cetera. Absolutely. If you enable them and you defend them and, and, and you're out there, you know, crying on TV how cops aren't respected anymore, um, okay, well, then when something happens, let it come out of your budget and your donations. And let's see how much your base supports that when you keep paying out settlements. And, and not the stuff you got from civil forfeiture either, boys. On top of that. So again, we're paying as taxpayers for officers and police departments to have quotas to harass the citizens that are paying. <laughs> it's a nasty little circle. And and one article that I got to highlight, and I'll put a link up as to why it's important um, that these statistics on deaths and shootings uh, by police departments be made public is because if they are left to their own policing, they're not going to do it accurately. And we know that, at least when it comes to NYPD, where it was just passed a week or two ago, that they will now have to start reporting these numbers publicly and making these uh, disciplinary uh, complaints public. We know that because it turns out that when there was an audit from a never-released report that was just released about the number of people killed by police activity in New York, it turns out it was twice as many people as what had been reported. You don't say. So again, we're paying for the officers to go and do... Not, not listen, I want those officers to go and, and, and arrest the rapists and arrest the murderers and arrest the rioters and arrest the looters and, and, and non-consensual illegal crime. Go get them. That's Don't it. waste my taxpayer money on a kid smoking a roach in front of his high school or somebody that rolled through a stop sign or, you know, come on. We have to be better as a society. So when people talk about defund, it's about a dialogue that leads to change about where the money is allocated because it's our money. 
because it's our money. We all want good cops. Of course, I want a police department full of educated, trained, respectful people that are really out there to protect and to serve. Everything else, walk out and get the fuck on if you don't believe that you can do that. The fact that half of the department in Atlanta walked out tells me something about the culture. Well, it says a lot, and I wasn't done with that yet. You you kept on talking about other things. But, I mean, is there any account? Well, first, it says a lot if you're walking out because you don't want to be held accountable or because you don't want to see uh, the rule of law played out, right? Everybody's entitled to due process, right? Um, uh, all the folks they arrest, right? Um, you know, and that's what they're sworn to protect. That's what their entire career is about. You gotta, you gotta have to, uh, want that justice and accountability, uh, applied to yourselves as well. And then walking out, um, it shows you all you need to know about how they feel about that. And, um, also I would say that, is there any like disciplinary fraction like for that? Can you just like walk off the job? I'm sure they're protected from the union. Oh, Nick, you're gonna love this. They got a $500 bonus to come back. Nice. Excellent. Yes, who paid for the $500 bonus? <laughs> you and me. <laughs> Motherfuckers. Happy Father's Day, Nick. <laughs> Happy Father's Day, Gerardo. <laughs> what else we got? We talked gold. We talked markets. We know what the monetary policy is going to be. We got to touch on copper real quick. You mentioned it earlier, but look, copper is at 265 We're very clear about the monetary policy. Trump, you know, as he does in his administration, as they do every week whenever the markets are a bit soft, um, when the Fed isn't stepping in and buying all this stuff and has a momentary um, lapse in, 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 in going straight up, um, the, the, the administration floated the idea of a trillion dollar stimulus package, which, you know, doesn't seem to have um, the votes right now. Although, you know, I'm not opposed to an infrastructure package because God knows our country needs it. Um, but do we see a pullback in the copper space here in the short term once people realize that that bill doesn't have a chance really at, at moving forward unless we get a continued spike in COVID cases? We have to lock down again, as appears to be the trend in a lot of places with little political will to do that, by the way. Um, what are your thoughts on coppers? I guess a long way of asking that, Nick. It, it's, it, it seems like the run-up has been predicated on infrastructure stimulus, which which I agree we need, but I don't see in the near term anyhow. Um, do you think the price is sustainable in the short term? Mid to long term, I love it. I'm buying uh, out of favor copper names, I'm writing checks for out of favor copper names that also have some gold exposure, like the Abacus Mining of the World and a couple of other companies. But where do you think in the short term uh, the copper price goes? I have no idea, Gerardo. I'm going to talk about crabs. Um, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> you know, I don't know. I, I, I'm looking at a chart. If it can break through 265 with some sort of conviction, then then it could stay there. Um, a lot of it has conviction. To do with, I can believe in. <laughs> that's, yeah, exactly. Like with silver and 2050, right? Yep. Um, you know, I mean, the, the chart says what the chart says, but um, well, before I talk about crabs, I, I saw a, a report that was calling for a three trillion dollar overhaul. Um, including like electrical grids to give us all the support necessary for implementation of renewables and grid storage and all that kind of stuff. Three trillion dollars. What's another three trillion? Um, yeah, we definitely need an, an infrastructure package. And so I think long term copper's fine, but that wasn't your your question. Short term, I, th I think it depends on. And I know you wanted to talk about the dollar, which we haven't really touched on yet, which is pulled back a bit. But, um, you know, it depends on where this inflation goes in the short term, right? We Just three weeks ago, we were talking about a deflationary environment, weren't we? 
Um, and, and then um, all of a sudden eggs and beef and stuff started doubling and people were having conversations and debates. Is that a supply chain issue? Is it supply and demand? Uh, whatever is it COVID related? Um, but then this weekend I, I was working on a Sunday, which I don't typically do. And so I had on my work hat and not my Sunday hat. And my buddies were texting about um, the crabs. It was one of my buddy's birthday and he had gotten a dozen crabs and he said, uh, one of my other buddies said, what did you pay for him? And he said, 90 bucks. And I, <laughs> I didn't say anything. I was like, oh, whatever. Crabs are expensive. I know they've been going up in price. But then somebody else said, damn, that's a good price. And then my eyes sort of lit up. And I was like, what the fuck do you mean $90 is a good price? So I had to know more. And we started talking about crabs. And um, in many places, they're going upwards of, uh, of $100 a dozen, even closer to $120, $130 for uh, a dozen of good crabs, a dozen, Gerardo. Um, and so... Um, this is going to be a bit of a long story. Sorry. Um, <laughs> no, this is good. I'm going to make it longer. Provide some context as to why you have uh, your finger on the pulse of the crab market. Well, I mean, crabs are uh, Maryland in Boston, pastime. Yeah, yeah. yeah, there's two things Maryland does. It's football and crabs. I mean, that's what they say, right? And I don't know how football got in there, but that's sort of a Texas <laughs> thing if you ask me. But um, anyway, I guess because of the Ravens and the Colts, but whatever. Blue crabs are a pastime. It's in your blood. You know, you go catch them off the pier and in the bay when you're a kid. You steam them up in your garage with your dad or in your uh, kitchen before everybody had the propane boilers and your whole house stunk like vinegar and Old Bay. And then everyone sits around a table and picks crabs because it takes a long time to do it your fingers get covered in old bay and you drink cheap beer and it's a grand old time and uh, it's a maryland pastime and they used to be really cheap they used to be a throwaway food they would serve them in bars like potato chips because they were salty to get people to drink more beer um and then sort of like other trash food like lobsters and oysters people got a taste for them and then they became sort of flipped right they became sort after sought after um, and even when I was growing up, the price of crabs was rising, 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 but never $90 a dozen. I mean, that's $7.50 a crab, Gerardo. Um, you know, we used to get a bushel of crabs, which is like seven dozen for, for 200 bucks. Um, and that was when prices were going up. So anyway, I started thinking, you know, this is man, this is inflation starting to, to manifest. And granted, um, airline tickets are down and, and fuel is down and, and I get all that, but uh, prices are very much rising in, in in other places. And so I started doing a little digging because um, my buddies were arguing it's supply and demand. Everybody's at home. And I was like, bullshit. Nobody's in restaurants. Baltimore hasn't even <laughs> gone into phase two. Aggregate demand cannot be up. I was texting them about aggregate demand on a, on a Sunday <laughs> afternoon. <laughs> This is what we do on our weekends, everybody. If you wonder why these go so long. I was like, aggregate demand for crabs could not be up. And then they were talking about, oh, the hatch count. And I was like, man, fuck the hatch count. Because I read that too, because I'm a waterman and I'm from Maryland. So I started reading about like, the hatch count of the, of the crabs, the female crabs that they put out a chart of. And I was looking at like 2014, 13 was like the two lowest hatch counts in the past decade for crabs. And crabs were $30 a dozen in 2013 when it was the worst hatch count. You're telling me they're three times higher uh, seven years later and the hatch count is like twice as good now for the number of crabs? They, they didn't want to hear it. And, and largely nobody does because it's tough to understand and um, you know, then you start talking about demand pool inflation and, and, and supply side inflation and all this sort of stuff that gets very convoluted and complex. But my point, my overall point was, oh, and then here's the best thing, actually, before I get to my point, my <laughs> other buddy, my other buddy chimes in who owns a liquor store. Ah, that, I know, well, I don't know him, but we, we've talked about him on the on the podcast several times. Yeah, he's one of my best friends. And he yep. says, 
uh, he knew where my buddy got the crabs for $90. And he was like, I know those guys, you know, small, small, small county business owners know each other. I could have got them for you for 30. And so mm. I just wanted to like pound the gavel on the, on the bench. Like if Anthony, his name is Anthony, if Anthony can get these crabs for $30, um, you think the guy selling them to Anthony at a loss, even though he's doing him a favor? I don't think so. I mean, he's not doing him that kind of favor. The guy is still clearly making money at $30 a dozen. Um, and so where is that difference of $60 a dozen coming from? It's not supply and demand. It's not the hatch count. It is, for me, it's mani- it's it's inflation manifest. And I know that's a long answer to a copper question, but I don't know where else it's going to continue to, to manifest, especially given... Uh, the unique circumstances of um, limited traveling and uh, the economy being throttled because of a global pandemic. So that's a long, I don't know, Gerardo. Alcohol and crabs, real inflation for real people that you can believe in. Do you know what the analog to your crab story is in Mexico and and, and, and people like my parents that moved to this country and myself that, you know, I was born here, but then I, I went back for a couple of years and moved back when I was five and and uh, anyhow, do you know what the, the crab analog is of what used to be trash food and is now a delicacy? I'm dumb, Gerardo. I don't even know what an analog is. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> it's cow tongue. It's cow um, tongue. Lingua. You got it. Tacos de lengua, right? Delicious. But I remember being a kid and going to the supermarket. They used to throw this stuff out. You know, and my parents were like, no, that's delicious. Like, we'll take it, right? And so it was almost like a, like a here, you can have it. Now you you want a cow tongue? You go to any you know Whole Foods or what have you? It's a delicacy and it's like thirty dollars for thirty forty dollars for a proper cow tongue to make tacos de lengua. So um, again, real inflation um, on real things that real people consume, right? You got to make sure you, you pull that top membrane off so the meat gets tender, right? See that? See that? That's culture, Nick Hodge. Everybody it's fighting the Fed one tweet at a time. And bringing you culture. Who else does that for you? Nick, that's all I got. Is there anything else that you want to chat about before I let you go and let you get started with your Father's Day weekend? I want to wish you a very happy Father's Day. Um, Say hello to the family, of course, as always. But is there anything else you need to get off your chest? No, I'm good. Uh, That was a really good talk. I think we're we're making progress in our portfolios and in our politics. And it's uh, good to see. Happy Father's Day to you as well. And hope everyone that's listening. Um, and people do listen, Gerardo. I talked to two people on the phone in the past 24 hours who listened to the podcast. So um, that was good to hear. And anyway, I hope uh, all the fathers had a good Father's Day. See Agreed. Ya. Happy Father's Day to all of you out there. Happy Juneteenth to everybody, to the country. There's a lot of work left to do. Last but definitely not least, I don't care what party you affiliate with. If you're out in Tulsa, Oklahoma, Please be safe and please be careful so we can all be healthy enough to have civil disagreements and discourse about the country and how to best move it forward. I am Gerardo Del Real along with Mr. Nick Hodge. This has been episode 75 of Bizarro World. Be safe, everybody. Wash your hands.